How's everybody feeling? Are y'all having a happy new year? Some of you are. The others of you, we're going to help you out today. I'm very excited about what I'm about to preach. But before I get there, on the table back there, there are some yellow papers that show the prayer schedule and also some fasting tips um, that you might find very important for you. We um, are calling this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Our church will be open um, every day uh, this week and, um, and following into the next 21 days. And the times for that are back on the, on the sheet. Some people have asked about the 6 o'clock in the morning prayer. Uh, we, we did that at 6 in hopes to get as many people to come by on your way to work or before work. And, um, and that's kind of the way uh, all of the churches, are about 600 churches in the GROW network that are participating this year in, um, in this 21 days of prayer and fasting at the same time that we're doing. So we're all doing it together. And those that have done it for several years have discovered that that's um, one of the most optimum times to, um, to get people to actually gather together for such a thing. Wednesdays and Sundays count for the prayer day, so we're not um, here early in the morning. I'm on Wednesdays and Sundays, but um, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, 6 o'clock, Saturday at 9 o'clock. All of that's back there. You shouldn't be confused. Another thing that we did, and we talked extensively about this Wednesday night, is that there are suggestions toward ways to fast. We are not asking anyone to do a 21-day without food fast, all right? Um, If you haven't heard from God then that kind of fasting can actually be dangerous. I mean, it takes a supernatural intervention for someone to actually fast in that way. So uh, there are suggestions, though. Anything from uh, sunup to sundown fast um, to an abstinence fast, which is kind of like the Lent fast or the Lenten season where you just pick an item. For me, it would be like Dr. Pepper. All right? So like for me to do like an abstinence fast, I would say, well, then for the next 21 days, I'm just not going to have a Dr. Pepper. That would be grueling for me. And so, because I mean, I depend on them so heavily. So, um, um, <laughs> so you know, you could do that. Uh, so it's between you and God, though. That's the big deal for us is that when it comes to fasting, there's no one-size-fits-all it's between you and the Lord. We just gave you some, gest- some suggestions back there. It's on that sheet. And there's also a calendar on the back side if you want to kind of track what you're doing. And we're trying to help you the best way we can. The prayer meeting at 6. This is one thing I wanted to reiterate. We talked about this for a little bit, those of us that are coordinating that. Um, the prayer meeting at 6 a.m. in the morning, um, it's going to go for that hour. Pastor Trent is going to stay. The, the building, the music, everything will be open uh, for an extended period of time in the mornings on those mornings. Um, but let's say if, if, if you say, well, I can't get there right at 6, but I can get there at 6.15. 6, still, you still need to come. If you say, well, I can't get there till 6.30. You still need to come because uh, we'll still be in the prayer mode during that. So there's, you know, we'd love to have as many of you can at 6, but um, any time during that hour, whatever your schedule will do to help you, um, don't let, because you're late, keep you from coming at all. Is that Okay. All right, that's good stuff. And so uh, keep all of that in mind. I will say this, Pastor Ashley, uh, uh, wave your hand. There you are over there. That's her. And Joe, I don't, he was here. Uh, he's probably out. Gone. Oh, well, praise God. 
So he's off on a food bank run. Uh, and myself are all leaving. Um, we're actually leaving Tulsa at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning to go to the Philippines. All right? And we will certainly be uh, participating in the prayer and the fasting and all that while we're there. But um, uh, this is just the way the trip works out for us. And so we, we need your prayer. We, we did a very special prayer over us Wednesday night with our Pray First session. And uh, we certainly need you to be in prayer with us. We'll be gone um, for um, 10 days. And we'll be in the Philippines uh, seven days on the ground. And a lot of ministry to do, a lot of work to do there. Um, I found out uh, Friday, I found out that um, uh, I'm literally going into pastoral meetings. I mean, literally, we'll be on the ground 45 minutes to an hour. And I'll be in, I'll be in meetings uh, sometime after breakfast on, on, um, on Wednesday there. It, it would be Wednesday here, but early in the morning. Um, we, I think this time of year, we're 13 hours ahead 13 hours ahead um, in the next day. So think about that. Um, pray for us uh, while we're gone. Um, and certainly uh, three primary things we always ask people to pray for. Number one, that no one gets sick. That's so important. Um, number two, that all of our flights are on time. That's extremely important. And number three, that all of our luggage gets there. Because those are the three biggest aggravations on international travel. Can someone say, I get it. So, yeah, I get that, I understand. Um, Pastor Trent uh, started our series out, our, our New Year series, um, last weekend, uh, and we're, we're playing off the idea of New Year's resolutions, New Year's resolutions, and we came up with this, um, we came up with this fantastic idea that what we really need is New Year's revolutions, that, that something needs to happen in all of our lives, that our resolutions don't just um, become some static something in our life that we say, well, yeah, I, I meant to do that, but oh well. I mean, how many of you will agree with me that probably most of us have made a New Year's resolution that we did not end up keeping, right? I mean, we think about things, think about various forms of New Year's resolutions that we could even come up with, all the lose weight, start exercising, quit doing something that we find might be harmful in our lives. And it's like we start the new year off and man, we make this resolution that this year, 2017, is going to be the year that I... And it goes along pretty well for about 48 hours. And then we begin to fall back into same routines and same habits and same ways of doing life. And ultimately, you get to about January the 20th, and you don't even remember the New Year's resolution that you made. Now, hope and pray that if you made some kind of New Year's resolution this year, certainly about uh, maybe getting more healthy or eating more healthy or drinking less Dr. Pepper, that somewhere in your life and in your heart you can find a way to um, actualize that, especially if it benefits you. I think Pastor Trent, though, last week made a tremendous point when he was talking about what does God say about our New Year's resolutions and, and do we want to make sure that while we're while we're making these resolutions in our lives, that the resolutions we make are 
are resolutions that will take us to where God wants us to go. I mean, I think that for me in my life, there are some resolutions that I absolutely need to take beyond just the resolve stage, and I need to get into the stage of it being a revolution in my life. Where something actually happens, where something actually changes. And I know that's a, that's a terrible word for a lot of people. They say, well, man, man I, I like things exactly like they are. I don't want anything to change. But I think that if you look into the Word of God, you will discover that God did not save you, or He did not save me, or He did not save us to leave us exactly where we are in that moment. Constantly in the Word of God, you see this idea that God saves us to change us. Not for the worse, but for the better. And you get, you get these words, biblically, you get these words like maturing or growing. That, that God would have us mature in our walk God or or grow in our work. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul made the statement that, that we are to increase, that we are to grow in grace, and that we are to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That something inside of us should be changing in a way that, that brings honor and glory to God, but also brings happiness and joy and peace into our lives. But the changes that God brings aren't the kind of changes that make us go, oh man, I wish that would have never happened. No, I'll be honest with you, every change that I've ever felt that came from the Holy Spirit in my life, I have to look back and go, man, there was a tremendous blessing in allowing the Holy Spirit to move me farther in that area in my life. So I think that if we will seek God's plan and we would set our mind to fulfilling what God desires for us, our resolutions will bring revolutions that really do change things in our life for the better. Our key verse is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, everybody say, in Christ. Okay, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Pastor Trent brought this out last week, and I, I think it, it bears repeating in, throughout this series that, that when we are in Christ, we're not waiting for the new to come. The new has come already in our lives. The old is gone. And that really is a revolution that, that can take place in every one of our lives that when we recognize that my in Christness has brought something new to me, has created something new in me. But then we have to step back and talk about this idea of getting in Christ because all of us would recognize that, yeah, I, I have confessed Christ, I am saved, but yet I still fight some of the things that I was fighting before I ever knew Him. 
The reality can be very elusive concerning that new creation. It can be very elusive in our lives as we're working through this fallen nature and a falling world and, and see that, that all of that produces things in our lives like mistakes and sins and failures and disappointments. And there's been many times in my life that I've just kind of had to kind of shake my head and fold my arms and go, what was I thinking I mean, what, what was that? Who is that? You know, I, I thought that I had well since overcome that, but yet, but yet it has a way sometimes of cropping back up. Just ask that poor AT&T guy that had me on the phone a week and a half ago. I mean, the most patient call center anybody I have ever experienced because, man, was I mad. You ever been there? And you recognize that, man, I'm I'm still struggling with some of these things. Yes, the new has come, but yet I'm still working through this process of of realizing that newness in my life. Matter of fact, check this out. Getting in Christ is the easy part. It's the working out the new creation that seems to take a lot of time. I mean, you know, man, I almost came up with a Willie Nelson song right there. Forgiving you is easy, but forgetting seems to take the longest time. You're working this thing out. Uh, You know, getting in Christ was made easy by Christ. We get in Christ by faith. And I mean, there are so many verses that speak to this, but one of my favorites is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ by faith. See, that parallels with the verse that we read just a few moments ago. That that a new creation has come, that the old is gone. that, That when I, by faith, confess Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I, by faith, found the salvation of Christ real in my life through that faith confession that I suddenly stepped into a new creation. But now, although, the, although I have been crucified with Christ, and although the old is gone and the new has come, I must live by faith in Christ. And as Pastor Trent said last week, the new creation must be uncovered in my life. Must be uncovered in my life. I, I, think, I think that I like saying like this, in order for us to begin to realize this new creation, we need to walk in the helps that have begin, been given to us in order to help us uncover the new creation that we are in Christ. See, here's the deal that is so very important that I have to, I have to make very clear to all of us before I move on. When, we're, when we begin to talk about walking in those helps, matter of fact, in a, 
in a theological sense from ancient theology. You would, you would call those things spiritual disciplines. And, and spiritual disciplines are very good, but they can also be very misunderstood. I think it's important for us to realize that spiritual disciplines are not for salvation. We are in Christ by faith, not by works. I was raised in a, in a very strict holiness Pentecostal type situation. And, and I feel like in my upbringing, some of that was very much out of balance. I, I don't, I don't want to be disparaging of all of that because there were some great things that came out of it as well. But, but, but I will tell you this, that growing up and even into, even into ministry and even into pastoral ministry, I never really felt this secure feeling that, that I just knew I was saved because it seemed like salvation was tied to so many things. How long are your sleeves? How short is your hair? Did you shave today? Did you watch television? Did you go to a movies? I can remember growing up, the only movie I ever went to, because, I mean, to us, if you went to a movie, you were going to hell. Like hell. Like fire, brimstone, hell. And I remember, I, you know, I, I mustered the courage with a group of my friends from the church. There was about three of us. That's all you could trust. And... I mean, if you went with the crowd, the pastor would ultimately find out, and then you would be called up and out. And so, and so we snuck off, and I can remember just sitting in that movie. I don't even remember what the movie was. I, I can remember just sitting there and just sweating bullets because I'm thinking to myself, if Jesus comes while I am in this building, I will go to hell. And you couldn't even enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just, I mean, some of you don't. You're thinking, do what? But yeah, it's really out there. It exists. And, and I mean, I, I, just, I just remember that, that, that my salvation was so fragile. That, 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 that salvation, the salvation experience wasn't this secure feeling that, man, I'm in Christ even though sometimes I make a mistake, but, man, I'm going to continue to confess my salvation in Christ, and I'm going to ask the Lord to help me work out this thing, and I'm going to ask the Lord to forgive me if I, if I yelled too much at that at t guy, and I'm going to... But I still feel saved. I don't feel like I'm going to go to hell like, 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 like Jesus is sitting in heaven with this hand on the reject button that it, at any minute the trap door to hell is going to open up and I'm going to fall through <laughs> to hell. And Jesus is going to stand over the trap door and go, <laughs> I told you so, stupid. I told you if you did that one more time, if you honked at that bicyclist one more time, Last chance. I was raised feeling that way, man. I was raised like, where is salvation? It never felt secure. It, ne- it never felt like, it never felt like, 
Man, I just, I just know I'm in Christ, and I know Christ has guided me, even though sometimes I do stupid things, and sometimes I make mistakes, and sometimes I fail, and, but, but, but yet I know Christ loves me, and, and, and his word declares that if I do sin, that I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, that pleads my case before God through the blood that he shed on Calvary. So you cannot tie spiritual disciplines. These, you can't tie it to this legalistic thing because spiritual disciplines don't save you. Faith saves you. Spiritual disciplines are not for salvation. They are for the new creation. They help us unpack what God has already done for us in our life. They help us unpack that. Does that make sense? Spiritual disciplines do not save us. They position us for the revolution that God wants to bring to our lives. Listen, I want to say this very clearly. God wants you to have a good life. And he wants to change some things about us that make our lives worse. Boy, it's awful quiet on that part. Some of you are still trying to unpack the movie theater thing. I know. Your salvation isn't so fragile. But unpacking, uncovering, letting this new creation thing be revealed in us. That's the thing that we're working out. That's the thing that we are walking towards. And so Pastor Trent last week talked about the Word of God. That if we would hear what the Word of God says about us. That it will create a revolution in our life. Because when you start thinking about yourself the way God thinks about you. That's a pretty good deal. Some of you think, I don't even want to know what God thinks about me. But you know what he really does say? The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What he thinks about you is he wants you to be saved and he wants you to be happy and that he loves you. The Bible says that we love God because he first loved us. So when God thinks about you, he's thinking about loving you and about helping you. And when we read the Word of God, see, I've thrown out a couple of verses there for you to see that if you start thinking about yourself the way God thinks about you, that if you will look into the Word of God and see what does the Word of God say about you, well, the Word of God says that you are His chosen. The Word of God says that you are in His favor. When we begin to reveal that and let that, let that be revealed in our lives, it brings, a, it brings a revolution to us to say, now wait a minute, I'm, I'm not that, that middle school, I'm not that middle school kid that Pastor Trent said, told him, you're a bad kid. I'm not, I'm not that. I, I'm something better than that. There was a testimony service in a little church in the woods. And if you don't know what a testimony service was, um, 
I'll explain it real quick. Um, at the end of song service, they would say, okay, does anybody want to testify? And then people would just randomly get up and say whatever came to mind. I've been to enough bad one of those. That's why we don't have those here. This lady jumped her feet and she was talking about how the enemy was working against her. And, and she, had a, she, she, was, she was very boisterous about, the enemy has been working against me all week and trying to get me down and putting thoughts in my head that I shouldn't be thinking. But you know what the Bible says. And she had that finger up like that when she said that. And then she gets this goofy look on her face while her mind is wiped clean of what she was going to say. And she goes... What does the Bible say? And sits down. That, ladies and gentlemen, is another reason why we don't have those. What does the Bible say? I think it would be very important for us to find out what the Bible says about us. And so there is a spiritual discipline called Bible reading. Hark! It really is. It is an ancient, it is an ancient Spiritual discipline. Ancient. Matter of fact, it even predates Christianity. The Jewish people were instructed to teach their children what the Word of God said and put it on their heart. They would even wear little boxes with, with Hero Israel, the Lord our God, His one, and you shall love the Lord with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all your strength. And they would, they would rend, they would rehearse every day this Bible verse. This is who we are. This is the God we serve. This is how we're supposed to respond to this God that we serve. And they, they knew what the Word of God said about who they were. It's an ancient spiritual discipline to read the Word of God. See what the Word has to say about you. Because we don't want to be that lady what does the Bible say? Well, congratulations. It probably says something. Probably. It probably does. And so that kind of brings me to this next discipline. Remembering disciplines don't save us, but they help unpack the new creation. They help reveal what God has already done. Okay, let me say this again. The Word of God wasn't written yesterday, nor was it written last week or last month or even the day you were born. What God had to say about you was here before you were even a thought. It's already done. It's already established. And man, God has great things to say about you. But, but here's, this, here's this other deal, and, and this is very fitting for where we are with our 21 days of Prayer and fasting, which fasting is a spiritual discipline, ancient spiritual discipline as well. We're not going to deal with that today. There's a little sheet back there that will help you out. And, and, and we put that together so that you would be comforted in, in perhaps partaking in some of that. I want to talk about this spiritual discipline, uh, spiritual discipline of prayer. Prayer, believe it or not, prayer can revolutionize our lives. It really can. I know that it's somewhat of a lost art in many, in many circles today, but, but, but let me tell you what prayer is. But before I tell you what prayer is, let me tell you what prayer is not. Prayer is not a meaningless exercise of futility as you speak words into the air. 
Or better yet, prayer is not going through the motions of talking to the ceiling and the floor. Right? So that's what prayer is not. Let me tell you what prayer is. Grab this definition. It just come to me. Prayer is human to God, God to human, spiritual communication. And when we pray, stuff happens. Maybe I should say that again. Prayer is human to God, God to human, spiritual communication. Matter of fact, 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. God says if you want a revolution to take place in your life, you need to humble yourself and pray. But I mean, I think let's take it in reverse order. And, and I mean, I think this is amazing to see that a healed land, forgiven sin, heaven hearing, life turning, the face of God seeing, all take place on the foundation of prayer. It all starts with prayer. And when you pray, you have the opportunity to understand that, that the face of God is going to be sought and your life is going to turn around and heaven is going to hear and sin is going to be forgiven and, and the land is going to be healed. And I think there's a lot of stuff in that that you and I need going on in our life. And I just wonder if, if, if the missing element in, in, in our lives, seeing the land healed and seeing the sin forgiven and seeing the face of God and, and, and seeing all these marvelous things take place in our life, I just wonder if we're, if, we're just, if we're just not praying. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I pastor. I have people through the years that have come to me. I mean, 30 years of doing this. I don't know how many people it is. I don't know how many people I've said this to, but they come to me and they have this situation going on in their life. And they're like, I just don't know what to do, Pastor. I'm coming to you because I need direction. And that's great, man. I have a pastor in my life that I go to for advice and all that stuff. But listen, there have been many times I've looked at people and say, well, before we go any further, I'm just, just curious. Did you pray about this? And you can't believe how many people through the years have looked at me and said, Oh, no, I didn't pray about it. No, I thought you'd pray about it. And you, 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 you pray about it, Pastor. You're the prayer guy. And I mean, you know how that, that leaves me? I mean, listen, everybody look at this. It's a human being, not God. Look, flesh and bone. I'm not, I feel like Paul must have felt sometimes. He says, I'm not God, I'm a mere man. Don't, don't fall on the ground and worship me like I'm all that. Now, I'd love advice. I know the Bible says there's safety and advice. I'm talking about that. But what I am saying is this. I, I think it's something kind of off when somebody goes to the pastor for advice before they go to God for it. Okay, okay. You know, I mean, I know before I go to my pastor for advice, I had better pray about it. Because he's probably going to ask me the same question. Well, Pastor Rob, have you prayed about it? 
Yes, I have. Well, then let's talk. Because sometimes when you pray, it's kind of hard to hear an answer. And sometimes you need advice and some direction and somebody to get involved in your prayers. There have been many times Pastor Brett said, well, you just, I don't have an answer for you, but you just keep praying about it and I'll pray about it with you and we'll see what, what happens. I'm not, I'm not, can I, do I have to reiterate that? I am not talking about not seeking advice. I am saying that in the midst of seeking human wisdom and human advice, it sure would help you if you would pray about it. Because the reality of it is, is no matter how you slice it, the answer is going to come from God as anybody in the house. And no matter how you slice it, he's the one that holds the keys to everything that we're looking for. And this verse says, if you'll pray, I'll do this stuff. If you'll pray, you, you do that, I'll do this, and unpack this revolution that God has, has waiting on the inside of you, that God has waiting on the inside of you, this fantastic revolution that's something of dynamic power and worth could happen for you if you would just learn to pray. Let me throw this out for good measure because people look at you and go, well, Pastor, you're a professional prayer. That's good for you, but when I get in there, I just don't know what to say. You want to know how I pray? I pray just like I'm talking to you right now. There ain't no, there ain't no Latin coming out. You know, I'm not over here going, That's what a a doctor to get you. No, it won't. That that was probably Klingon. And God only knows what I just said. (laughs) Right? People think, well, how do you pray? How do you pray? You just, you just, it, it is human to God. God to human spiritual communication. I, I pray over stuff. The other day I was walking around in here, and, and I was praying, and it just sort of came out like this. God, if you can't fix this mess, no one can. You say, now wait a minute, Pastor. That didn't sound very spiritual. Now, I would expect you know, a professional prayer to pray something more like, O thou heavenly Father above the heavens and the earth, as you sit upon the throne of heaven and the earth is thy footstool, I beseech ye, O God, to fix this mess, because if you don't fix this conglomeration of moving atoms of people and things, oh, quit it. Quit it. You you don't impress God by long words and I just say, hello, hello, God, I'm here and I need you to show up. (laughs) I've actually prayed like that before. Trust me, I have. You just don't ever know what's going to come out of me when it comes to prayer. No, it's just, it's just express yourself to God. God, here we are. Here is my family. Dear God, look at my job. If you don't do something... It's not going to be good. That's a prayer. Doesn't have to, you, don't have to, you don't have to worry about this hard to, to religious. That was an entire three sentences in blee, 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 blee. Because you know what I'm saying. And so, and so we should learn this value of prayer because prayer will bring a revolution to our life. You don't believe me? Believe Jesus. Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. Jesus answered, 
I truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what, that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours if you'll pray with that kind of faith. Stuff happens. Prayer, human to God, God to human, spiritual communication, and when we pray, stuff happens. Here's the key, and here's the balance to it, is that John 1, uh, 1 John rather, 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. Here's the deal. You can have confidence in your prayer when you know you're praying according to God's will. You say, well, pastor, how do you know the will of God? Well, we go back to last week's message. What does the Bible say? So let me give you four or five, okay? I can't give you all of them because you don't want me to preach for 24 hours. And in 24 hours, I'm on an airplane to the Philippines and hoping and praying that someone is praying me into a nice sleep. But let me give you, let me, let me give you a, a handful to help you along. I think these are some that are very important. God, God's will for you. It is God's will for us to be saved. Everybody say, be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Everyone. And so, you want to you know a sure, guaranteed way to know for a fact that you're praying for God's will, then pray for yourself or for someone else to be saved. Because it is absolutely God's will for people to be saved. Another one is, it is God's will for us to rejoice, for us to pray, and for us to be thankful. And yeah, sometimes I have to pray about prayer. Because sometimes I don't have the strength on my own to pray on my own. And so I'm, I'm saying, God, help me pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Can't get no plan on this, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is God's will for you to rejoice, it is God's will for you to pray, and it is God's will for you to give thanks. And so these are some areas that we can pray about in our lives, that if you're struggling with discouragement, if you're struggling with complaining. I mean, I think it'd be great, man, on Facebook, some people just want to complain, complain, complain all the time. It'd be great to just say, give thanks in all things. This is God's will for you. Give thanks in all things. This is God's will for you. Yeah. In all things, in all circumstances, give thanks. Why? Because, because if we can learn to give thanks in the bad circumstances, we find the fortitude to sustain ourselves through them. And instead of the circumstance having you by the neck, you've got the circumstance by its neck. Saying, I will not be swayed or controlled by this circumstance. Why? Because I'm praying for a spirit of thanksgiving in my life. Let's, let's look at another one real quick. It is, it is God's will, kind of tied to it. It is God's will for us to have joy. John 
15, 11 says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Yeah, it's God's will for you to have joy in your life. See, and It's amazing to me how many of us, because of fear and anxiety and pressures of the world, struggle in the area of joy. And it's amazing to me how often the Word of God brings up joy as being something God wants you to have. God wants you to rejoice. He doesn't want you to be down and out. He wants you to have joy. This is something you can pray about, that, 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 that God can help you in this area. Then, then check this out. In, in Philippians 4, 4 through 7, we find that it's the will of God, again, for us to have joy, for us to have peace, and for us to not be anxious. Think about that for a second. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is important. I'm going to tell you this right now. The key to all of this is what happens when you pray. Now, I, I usually pray in the auditorium and the lights are down except for this, these six lights right here that, that are on this cove. I'll turn those six lights on so I don't trip over furniture. But by and large, it's just dark in here. And I do that on purpose because I see wires and stuff and I'll get distracted and I'll start trying to fix things. And I just need to pray. And so it it's, keeps my mind focused to be a little dark in the room. And, and there, there have been many times I've stepped into that prayer with my, we're just tied up in knots. In fact, just a few weeks ago, Rayleigh and I were discussing situations and things and the responsibilities of the church and the house and the things that we're trying to do. And, and, and yeah, it just seemed like, the, it seemed like it, the, the mountain was there, you know. Oh, my goodness, how are we going to scale this mountain? And I just felt so tied up, and I had, this, I had this amazing thought in my office. The thought was this. You really should just go out there and pray. What an epiphany for a pastor to have. You really should just go pray about it. And I'm telling you right now, I got in this auditorium and I started walking, I started talking to God about those circumstances and I started saying stuff like this, God, you know what we're facing. You know what we're facing. And it's your church and my family is your family and this entire circumstance is in your hands and I'm just going to put it there because I can't, I can't do anything about this. I can't do anything about it. There's nothing I can do to change any of this, but you can and, and, and I just kept talking to the Lord like that. And about 20 minutes into that prayer right there, just talking to the Lord like that, I just felt the grip of anxiety leave me. Just gone. It was just gone. I felt so free. I felt so refreshed. And I knew that that human to God and that God to human communication touched heaven. And heaven spoke back into my spirit and said, It's going to be okay. I just felt that anxiety leave me. Because it's the will of God for us to not be anxious about any circumstances. You say, well, Pastor, what about my job? You don't know, you don't know how, how bad things are. Pray about it. But, but, Pastor, you don't know what's going on in my family. Pray about it. You don't, you don't understand what's happening in my body. I, I, there's so, pray about it. Pray about it. See if heaven won't answer. Because he doesn't want you to be anxious. The word says he doesn't want you to be anxious. So if there's something in your life that's got you all tied up in knots, if there's something in your life that's got you all anxious, you should pray about it. In that prayer, release that thing to God. Say, God, I'm just going to give this to you. I'm going to give it to you. 
Why? Because ultimately, you want to you find something out cool? Did you know that it is the will of God to meet your needs? And that is probably the number one anxious stressor on everyone's life. That's probably the number one stressor. How am I going to get my needs met? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How am I going to afford to do That's the number one stressor in people's lives. It's what about my needs? What about my needs? But check, check this out. It's God's will to meet your needs. It's God's will to meet your needs. Look at Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field uh, grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well and I've come to tell you that the principle at first isn't just about giving it's about praying if you'll go to the Lord in prayer first if you'll take that need to God first if you'll go to him and say here is my situation if you'll go to him first you can rest in this promise that it is God's will to meet your needs it is God's will to put food on your table to put clothes on your back to put a drink in your cup it is God's will to meet your needs and whatever you need you need to be praying about it you need to be praying about it you need to be praying about it Because when you pray, stuff happens. Would you stand with me today? I'm going to pray over us collectively. But before I do that, if you would bow your heads. If you're here today, you need a fresh start. That thing about being saved touched you. Would you just slip a hand in there and say, that's me in my life. I need need a fresh start today. God bless you. God bless you. I'm not going to call you out. not going to make you embarrassed or anything. Thank you so much. All righty, thank you. Hands are still going up. In Jesus' name, a fresh start, a fresh start, a fresh start, a fresh start. Thank you, thank you. A fresh start. Today is new, a new day, a new day. Wow, wow. In Jesus' name. Okay, everybody put your hand down. If your hand's still up, I want us to pray together. We're going to pray a collective prayer for those that raised their hand, and then we're gonna, then I'm going to pray over you specifically. Let's pray first for those that raised their hand. Everybody pray with me. Say, Father... I thank you that I have this opportunity for a fresh start. I ask you to save me, to let me feel confidence in my salvation. I declare Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, and I thank you for helping me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody clap your hands and rejoice with these that just prayed that prayer.